0: To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program.
1: For the first and, let's face it, probably last time, I'm your host, Albert Bellamy. Um, I'm going to try not to screw this up. Uh, Big Daddy John David is in the far-off land of California, uh, also where our our guest today is. Um, So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, Looks like we're live on all platforms. And let's get it kicked off. I'm joined today by the hardest-working intern in podcasting, our man Hunter Brown. What's
2: going on, Hunter? Not much, not much. Just finally set back up at High Point, so uh, back in the city of Greensboro, anxious to get back to
1: work. Lovely city. We were just up there a couple of weeks ago. Have you guys started classes yet?
2: Yeah, we actually started uh, the day after I moved in, so it was a little bit hectic trying to get everything uh, situated, but finally got myself straight.
1: And this is junior year for you, or senior? Yes, junior year. Junior year, okay. So, are you continuing to with with your internally duties, or uh, is, that, is that? Oh yeah, oh okay. yeah. Awesome. internally duties don't stop
2: just because school duties start.
1: True, true. Yeah, so uh, it's next man up today. You know, John, John David's out. So uh, you know, you're ready to, to fly solo here. Hope we don't crash the ship. Uh, I,
2: well, I mean, yeah. Let's let's uh let's go ahead. We can co-pilot this one if you uh, if you yeah. So
0: So those of you
1: in the chat, um, you know, you're going to have to bribe Hunter well to get your questions in. He is the the sole minder today. So, yeah, if you want something popped up on the screen, he's got it. Uh, But uh, without further ado, um, we're going to try and keep this this session kind of on point. And we have an amazing guest today. Uh, Her name is Sally Kim. I'm sure many of you are familiar with her work. Um, she works at Google, and I know that her, uh, her job title there is, is sort of a fluid thing. I know that uh, she has done data analytics and business analytics and business intelligence. Uh, I, she's worked at Google for four years now. Before that, she had stops at uh, Audible, at Care.com, at Wayfair, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, with Digitas L-B-I. Um, she's worked as both a full-time employee and a consultant, so she's got, uh, she's got insight on how that works and, and uh, what the angles are there. Um, so before I screw up this intro any worse, uh, Sally, how are you today?
3: <laughs> thanks, Al. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm dialing in from Kelly, so it's 9 a.m. for me. So good morning for any others who are on the West Coast. Um, thanks for having me. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, So I I know uh, this is kind of jumping ahead in the script a little bit, but I know um, you're not super active on LinkedIn. (laughs) I think the other day you said good morning to me and I looked at my watch and it's like 1230 and her location says New York. Um, So what's what's it? Are you living in California full time? Because I don't know if we covered this before
3: no, um i okay. am from California, so I have family here. Uh, been visiting family while I can work remotely. so dialing in from l a Los Angeles.
1: Oh, okay, but awesome.
3: Based in New York City.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah, so good. So I was uh, I didn't have like a line of questions about that or anything, but that that just threw me off for a second. It was like <laughs> oh crap. is that is that completely outdated?
3: no 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 but that that is a good point i'm not too active on linkedin um i do see sometimes like linkedin requests uh come in and i try my best to keep up um but i really do appreciate like when people reach out like personal and talk about their personal stories and i try my best to help where i can
1: yeah it's um uh like linkedin can kind of eat your life a little bit so i think most people have kind of mixed feelings about it it's you got to remember it's social media. So yeah. uh, you can, you can spend too much time there. That's for sure.
3: That is very true.
1: <laughs> so you, um, I, I was going to hit you with the, you know, the horrible interview question. Tell me about yourself. But, um, if, if you can take us back to kind of your origin story and, um, mm-hmm. you know, come up in college, wh- where did you become interested in analytics? Cause that wasn't your major.
3: Yeah, that I actually got that question a lot when I first started interviewing, um, but it wasn't a plus thing. Um, mm. It gave me an interesting story to talk about. So I was a biochemistry major in university and college, and that's because growing up, I thought I was going to be a doctor or a medical researcher. My parents just pushed me down that path, and I was like, Gosh. okay, I don't know what I want to do, so fine, I'll, I'll study that. And I loved, I did really enjoy the sciences. But the, I know Hunter, you're entering your junior year, right? Um, so, the winter of my junior year, and for folks who aren't maybe um, from uh, the states, that essentially means the the winter before I started my final year of university. Before I had to think about jobs, I basically partake, I partook in a course that's very similar to the Google Data Analytics course. It introduced me to business fundamentals, um, analytics too. And when I took that course, it was just for the winter. It was like an intensive boot camp, um, live and in person. I did it for fun. Um, I figured, why not? It's a good way. It's a good use of my time during that break. And I loved it. I loved working with people. We worked in teams. Everything that I learned on Excel, for some reason, it like clicked. And I picked it up really easily. We did a lot of team competitions. And it was a lot of fun. And I thought, how cool would it be with to do this as my job to have fun in my job, as opposed to kind of just doing a job for the money. Right. And so when I entered my senior year, my final year of university, and I started looking for jobs, one person from my team during the program, he had graduated the year before me. He actually reached out to me and he said, Hey, Sally, I have an opening on my team for an analyst position. Are you interested in applying? And I was like, Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I would love a job. Um, yes. So I applied and uh, as part of the recruiting process, the interview process, the recruiter gave me um, two weeks to learn SQL, which is one of the technical skills required for data analytics in the industry. And in two weeks, I it was pretty easy to pick up, I think. It was pretty straightforward, lots of resources online. And I showed up at the company, an on-site interview, took the test, passed it connected really well to people and that's where I got started in analytics.
1: That's my first. Time. Wow. That's, um, I, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that. So that sounds a lot like uh, Tina Huang's origin story where she, or just her first interview where she kind of locked herself in a, in a study room and, and did sequel <laughs> for like 11 straight days, 24 hours a day. after sure She slept, but yeah. But, um, so yeah, I'd be curious to know what was your uh, study tactic to
3: yeah. You didn't my see of scale in such a short time. Yeah, it was really fun. I had a lot of fun with it actually. Um, I remember, um, maybe it's because I'm a bit nerdy, but I remember creating a study sheet. I had a, I downloaded an app on my phone that was like. Learn SQL quick or something. I forgot. I don't know what it was called. Yeah. Um, basically specific rules. Um, I put all those in one one pager. I created a study sheet and I brought that page with me whenever I was eating meals. Because uh, my senior year, I was still um, studying. I didn't let mm-hmm. go completely. Still studying. And I actually had, uh, I was working on a thesis. Um, I did a research project. So still pretty busy. So during my meal times and at nighttime is when I brought up that uh, that. Cheat sheet that uh, my study guide, and I was just studying it um, and reading off of it. It was um, it was actually it wasn't too bad. I, I realized also I love SQL um, and be, it's pretty intuitive. You select something yeah. from a table where a certain condition is met. For me, that was easy. Um, and then it's just a matter of the specific syntax, uh, like the group by, the having, like those stuff. And then practicing with um, sample questions on the weekends when I had more time. But during the weekday, it's just memorizing that 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 formula, that syntax.
1: Yeah, and, and so the uh, I know the learning platforms just evolve so quickly that probably whatever you're using back then is either not around now or has evolved <laughs> multiple times. So given, I mean, I know you you've used SQL quite a bit since then. Um, given what you know now, how difficult were the questions that you had to face on that interview?
3: um not that difficult so i actually do go back to my college and i give sql workshops um and i give them my essentially my interview questions at the end Mm -hmm. and we go through it together or in teams now that we're um, on remote i just put people in teams and have them hash it out um it's really not that hard (laughs) funnily enough i did an interview to somewhat recently just just for practice and i almost got the exact same question i got (laughs) <laughs> almost 10 years ago yeah um these are just basic sequel questions that just ensures that you know the um you have a good foundation it's not it's not too difficult there were uh, for interview questions at least for my personal experience um there aren't those really tricky questions where you have to do Lots of maybe nested queries or subqueries. Okay, yeah. The jargon for
1: folks. Window functions <laughs> and things that are, start getting super advanced.
3: Yes, it's yeah. it's not going to be super complicated. It's usually just one query. Um, maybe for functions, it's like sum, max, group. So you would have to use group gotcha. but nothing super complicated. In the, yeah, none of okay. those analytical functions.
1: let uh. Hunter, do we have anything uh, worth pausing the interview for? We just got one question
2: from uh, Lauren
1: Branch. Will most interviewers
2: oh. actually require a SQL test taking uh, for the interviewees?
3: Um, I don't. I, I don't know about most. Uh, I can only speak from my own personal experience. Um, I would say I would. I would think um, for the beginner or like entry-level analyst um, before you have work history to prove it I would probably expect that to have SQL uh, interview questions if, especially if you say you know SQL they will want to make sure you do know SQL um, if you don't have that work experience to back it up um, having said that it's usually not too hard um, there may be there are now more platforms where you can do it online. They'll give you the test online and you just submit it whenever you have time. Um, for me, the harder part actually is writing SQL is very different from typing it. It feels different, looks different. Um so practicing in the way in which you'll get the questions will be helpful. And when I was interviewing, I used to use Glassdoor a lot, just an mm-hmm. online platform where you can figure out, How There might be a new platform out there. Um, I haven't looked for jobs in a while, Um, but it it gives you a little bit sneak peek into what kind of questions that company might ask you for an analyst type of role. So I used to use that a lot. I used to do a lot of research. And if I'm interested in applying for a company, I would go to LinkedIn, try to figure out, do I have any connections at that company? And just to get to know them, chat with them. What is the company culture like? Because just as I want to get into that company, I also want to make sure it's a nice company and that they'll want me to, like it's, you want them as much as they want you. So it's a fit. Mm. Um, so I would do all that research beforehand. Very cool. Yeah, so like
1: the c- Culture fit is huge. Um, and, and do you, do you uh, engage in mock interviews? Is that something you've used in the past?
3: Yeah, I help with mock interviews too, um, more than yeah. happy to do it. I do a lot of volunteering on the side as well. I particularly, uh, I'm very passionate about helping those from, Underprivileged backgrounds. Um, I used to do a, a refugee work as well. Um, so, yes, I do mock interviews for students, for underprivileged uh, folks, for anybody in which I can help. I enjoy it. Uh, I also interview um, in my current team. We had a couple openings. So, I also do interview at Google. Dang it,
1: Kim, cool. you're screwing up my interview. Uh, you're skipping ahead to the later questions. <laughs> it's all good. find out how to there we go. All right. Yeah. Learning has occurred. Um, so I was going to ask do you, um, have you done an interview or seen an interview that, that uses a whiteboard? Cause I know that's a tactic you know, just cause you talked about that. The muscle memory is different between typing the SQL commands and writing them out. Mm-hmm. I know that there are interviews out there that, that have you handwrite.
3: Yeah. My first job when I interviewed and I went okay. on site, um, if you're going to go on site, it's probably going to be whiteboard. So that's a clue there. Um, so it's good to yeah, but that's harder interview. to do remotely. Yeah, it's hard to do remotely. So right now, um, so currently for Google, I can probably talk about it, is we create a Google doc. So just like another sheet and open it along with your, so your video on one hand, and then your sheet on the other, the interviewer. So I would type, uh, post in my question, um, give the table, example tables, and then have my the person I'm interviewing type out the SQL query. So it will be more kind of intuitive, the typing versus the writing.
0: We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode.
1: So, Fun fact. Um, before I met you, the only thing I knew about it, Bo- it's Bowdoin College, right? That's how yeah. Called. The only thing I knew about it was that Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain oh. uh, taught there. Mm-hmm. Um, so military history. Was, oh. And so when I was at, when looking at it, it, was like, well, I'm sure there are other people. Uh, yeah, Franklin Pierce, uh, <laughs> President of the United States. Before Barack Obama, he was the only president with a uh, vowel at the end of his name.
3: So oh.
1: Yeah, oh. more fun facts for you. Oh, so strange. I mean, I, I know that you you mentioned your charity work, and I know that you were. I mean, just looking at your timeline, it looks like you were doing charity work like all the way back through college and into high school. Where did that? Um, I mean, where did that spirit come from? Is that something you get um, from your parents?
0: Um,
3: maybe <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, I so I'm actually first generation college student, meaning I'm the first person in my family to go to college, and. I I just, I've been very lucky, I think, for, I had lots of mentors, a lot of opportunities came um, by my way. um, And I took advantage of those, a lot of people helped me. And so I've always really wanted to give back to like passing the baton. um, Because there were, yeah, whatever I can do to give back, I, I was one of those lucky people, I guess, good vibes, good juju got sent my way. So the least I could do is to do my best and help others. Um, in, In regards to why I'm so passionate about maybe like refugee specifically or underprivileged students is I can, I feel like I can maybe have the most impact there. And I know it's, it's one of the hardest groups to in terms of adjusting to wherever their um, their new location is. And since my parents are immigrants, I could relate to that a little bit as well. Yeah. So I wanted to do my part to help.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I just came from my uh, battalion headquarters where they're sending uh, 130 Marines up to Quantico to handle the influx of uh, Afghan refugees up there. So yeah. um, that is uh, super important work. Um, I know that uh, some of your charity work now is is more kind of professionally oriented, which is amazing that you're you know you're taking your skill set and and trying to help underprivileged people with that. But I see that you know going back, it was much more. Um, I think you had one where you worked in a, a shelter or a soup kitchen, something like that. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. it was a women's shelter, in essence, um, women who. Yep had to leave their homes maybe due to a variety of reasons, whether it be drugs or violence or anything like that. Um, yeah, that, that I was personally affected by someone close to me who was going through that situation. So that's why I got involved in that and that's why I wanted to help. So even when during the times when I was doing research, I'm very motivated by personal stories, by people around me. So I had done, for example, diabetes research because Mm -hmm. my best friend in college, um, I found out had type one diabetes. Before then, I had no idea what diabetes was. I didn't understand the difference between type one and type two. So that summer, I wanted to use my skills. I I came from a science background. I wanted to figure out how could I learn more about this field, maybe give her hope um, about advancements or do my part and see like, can I help in any way? Um, so I, that's just me, my personality. I'm very people oriented. Um, and one, also one of the reasons why I went to analytics, as opposed to science research, not to yeah. say scientists aren't social. I just really like connecting with people and talking with people. And as a business analyst or in analytics, I'm usually in meetings. I talk with my, I have really good, good relationship with stakeholder groups. Um, people yeah. who I work for in essence who I give my data solutions and products to. So I really like that relationship building is important to me.
1: Yeah, more more stakeholders within the organization or are you are you doing a lot of customer facing stuff at this point?
3: With within Google for now, I have done okay. customer facing um, but currently I'm doing more internal stakeholders. More or less the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, got to got to sell them on the information and and your mm. conclusions either way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, speaking of Google and you know and the the charitable work, I know that there is uh, a huge kind of um, you know huge value placed on charity and work kind of outside of your technical job. Was that uh, something that they asked about, and and do you think that was a plus for you um, in getting work there that that they looked at your experience and said, you know, this is someone that's more than just a brain, um, kind of Mm -hmm. hard to.
3: That's an interesting question. Um, No one's necessarily asked me that before, like asked Mm -hmm. about my Adrena interview process, like asked about my volunteer efforts or whatnot. Um, Yeah, I'm not too sure how that fits in. What does what it does help me with though is when I do interview for companies, um, the first thing I try to do is establish a rapport. Um, Like I said, relationships are really important to me, and I actually tend to get uh, very friendly with. with recruiters to the point where I once considered, should I become a recruiter? I love talking yeah. with lots of different people, but the first thing I do is establish a rapport, some connection, something we have in common. The The more things, I, the more experiences I have, whether it be volunteering, something I'm passionate about, maybe the recruiter might also have something similar. Um, so it's just a way for me to connect, but as opposed to it being a plus per se on a resume, I'm not sure sure about that, yeah
1: okay hunter just gave me the uh the the bad signal so what what we got
2: (laughs) so we have we've gotten quite a few questions i've kind of tried to condense some of them um so to start out um several people have been asking about uh starting a, a career in the analytics field coming from a different background could you speak a little bit to that
3: like was it hard or anything
2: well like uh what, what steps maybe, maybe could be taken? Um, yeah, was it difficult for you if, or to get started in the analytics field? Yeah, no, no,
3: so it's not hard at all. Um, it can actually be a very pl- big plus. Um, and the good example I give when I go back to my college and I talk about analytics, introduce it, and why they should come to analytics, is my first job, there were, I think like four of us, four analysts, pretty small team. Um, I was a biochemistry major sociology major, econ major, and a psych major. So kind of all over the place. doesn't really matter what you like major in, Uh, at least in the States. I can't speak for other job markets, but it really hasn't mattered. Um, I will say there are times when they'll ask for um, like, give me examples in which you've done something analytical. And so I was a biochemistry major, which I've mentioned. And so I know, Anna, um, you have a, a biological bachelor, so bachelors in biology, perhaps, or biochemistry. You do a lot of experiments during that. There's lab courses, lab work. You can use those examples to talk about the analytical process, that creating a hypothesis, testing that hypothesis. All of that is the analytical process. So um, I specialize in chemical analysis. Analysis is in the name. I essentially looked at biofuel compounds and analyzed like what is the composition, how, many, how much carbon to oxygen ratio, et cetera, do we have. And I just talked about that as part of my an analysis or analytical experience background. And that's, that's really all you need. You can use a lot of what you already have it's, um, coming from diverse backgrounds to fit what they're looking for in a role. It just requires some creativity sometimes, but you can definitely use it. Um, And if if you ever need help, this is where like mock interviews or asking people, others might be very helpful.
2: All right, Um, we've got another question here. Um, I think a lot of people might struggle with this. Imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome, have you ever experienced it and how do you deal with it?
3: Oh, of course, of course. Um, Imposter syndrome is so prevalent. Um, There have even been talks at Google to address that, to talk about it, you're to say that you're not alone. We all experience this. Um, I've particularly felt it a lot in the beginning of my career. Um, I felt like, especially because um, sometimes I feel like I talk my way into interviews. I just connect really well to the pe- with the people, and and they're like, I like you, so I'll hire you. Um, what does help me though is everybody goes. I, I really go through it with every role I take in the beginning. Um, But what helps me is to think about to when I actually do produce stuff that starts to build my own um, like credibility, credibility to others, stakeholders, but also builds my own self-confidence, too. Um, But you're definitely not alone. Imposter syndrome is so, so, so common and not sure if it necessarily even goes away per se, but it's 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 just it's just much smaller voice in the back of your mind. So it doesn't really bother me so much anymore. Even with the DA cert, the data analytics cert, um, creating that, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. Do I have enough tenure? Do I have enough experience? Like, am I even qualified to talk about this? Um, and it just, you just go with it. I, my, I just wanted to do, of the things that I do now, see how I can help people with that. And that was more than enough. And we had, and for everyone else, we had lots of other subject matter experts. <laughs> it wasn't just me. We had uh, everybody full gamut from financial analytics to healthcare. I have e-commerce background as well, advertising analytics. And we did that to ensure that the course will be uh, all encompassing. It would be industry agnostic. So,
2: Great answer. Fantastic. <laughs> um we have another question here from a, a person named Albert. Actually, um, they were wondering—they were wondering how to get an entry-level data job at Google after completing the certification. And so, maybe speak a little bit to um, you know how to get in touch with the hiring
1: manager. Skipping ahead to another one of my future <laughs> questions, I don't like you anymore, Albert.
3: All <laughs> <laughs> good. Oh, okay. It's funny. Uh, there's a lot. There's also other Sally Kims at Google, and I, sometimes I get there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so hiring at Google, um, oh, geez. So let's see, like tips to getting hired. Sure.
2: Maybe how to reach out and better connect with people at Google or something along those lines.
3: Yeah. Um, uh, I can say what, I guess, historically, most, I would say like most people who I have found in my personal experience who end up in analytics jobs at Google tend to come from other companies. Like they've acquired some experience before coming here. Um, so I don't know about entry level and analyst positions per se. However, however, um, Google has been making a lot of grounds and efforts to try to Hire more entry-level folks, but specifically also those from underprivileged background, Um, and that—that's through other. There are programs um, on Google, Uh, for example. There are like programs called I think it's called Bold Internship. Um, There's a lot of things. Europe. I've 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 mentored folks from Europe. They. It's essentially a program where we have um, interns from this nonprofit. Um, who come to Google, they're matched with Google mentors and just talk about like how to help with their career process and if they wanna convert after their internship is over to get a full-time job within Google. So there are ways to get, there are inroads that way. Um, that's that's what I know currently. Uh, for me, for myself, I uh, did not enter Google straight out of college, I wish um I had to get a lot of experience elsewhere I actually Google for me was I never thought I'd come here um it was like you know that that far off dream in the future like how cool Mm -hmm. it'd be to work for Google like Silicon Valley growing up that was that was like wow um but I I there was a recruiter that I got along really well with he helped me get that contract position at Audible um which is Amazon's audiobooks branch and we got along really well. And so when the Google opportunity came about, he reached out to me while I was still at Audible, um, I hope I can say that, um, to say like, do you want to apply for this Google job? Do you think you'd be interested? And I was like, yes, it's always been a dream of mine. I would love to. Um, And so, yeah, and that's how I personally got in. Um, So I I don't know personally, uh, what I can say in regards to entry-level analyst positions, just that you can check on Google Careers, the career page, to see if there are entry-level analyst positions out there. Um, but to my knowledge, at least currently, is those internships or those those other kind of alternative pathways might be the, the best ways for entry-level.
1: I think you answered that pretty well. Yeah, I, I will say in the... I, it was in a totally different division of, of Google for my internship, but I didn't meet a single person for for whom that was their first company. Um, yeah. And a lot of the Nest people had been in Nest company before it was bought out by Google, but there were tons of other people in devices and services, and yeah. every last one of them had experience, and a lot of them, like, you know, decades of experience at other companies yeah. before they ever came there. So yes, that's, it's, it's not that's, common, I don't think.
3: That's the most common. Um, I actually would recommend working at other companies first before coming to, or trying to apply or getting into these big companies like Amazon, Google, Facebook, it, my own personal recommendation. It gives you, because I think personally with each job that you get, or that each job you apply for, each job that you, or each company you work for, you acquire more and more skills. So in my own personal background, I've actually moved around a lot of companies in the beginning, and I've gotten questions about that. Um, for me, it's about personal growth. So uh, the way to put this is even within analytics, you might notice um, at, or once you start working analytics, every company kind of uses different software, different programs. And yes, the underlying knowledge like the sql skills like cell skills spreadsheet dashboarding those skills are transferable but the platforms themselves there still is that initial kind of learning curve to get used to the specific platform for example tableau for dashboards or data studio for dashboards macro strategy for dashboard um dashboards datorama there's so many tools out there every company prefers something different the more companies you work for and you you can show on your resume in my personal resume under dashboarding i put list all of those programs and the reason why that's nice and that will help you in the long run and get you more and more marketable is some recruiters aren't necessarily like data analysts themselves they are instructed to look for i need someone with tableau skills or someone with data studio skills and they'll look for those keywords if you have it on your resume, like they'll zero in on that and instantly like highlight you as an applicant. And so if you stay with one company only, um, especially big companies they tend, to, they tend to create their own products as well and not like the big name brand stuff too. So you won't have those marketable skills. you'll be you will have pigeonholed yourself to one one skill set, one group one like one family of platforms that you only that you know. So it becomes harder than to leave as well and explore other job opportunities. So I would actually recommend start small and then diversify, then work your way up.
2: All right. Very cool. And before we move on, um, I, while we're on the topic of hiring, I want to go ahead and bring in, we've had a few questions about uh, uh, data portfolios. Mm. How, would you, how do you feel about those? How do you feel is an effective way to construct those and get them out there?
3: Yeah, I know in this, uh, we talk about like Kaggle, um, GitHub. There are lots of different ways. Um, And personally for me in the past, um, I've even sent examples of like, this is how I write my SQL queries, Uh, because there is an art to it. There's beauty in it. I think personally, I love SQL. Uh, I can geek out about it. Um, All of those are really helpful. If you just think about it from the interviewer's point of view, you're... Like they really want you, but they want to make sure that you can do what you say you can, right? So think about it as like almost like dating. There's a risk. Are you who you say you are? And if you <laughs> find these portfolios, these examples, it makes them feel more safe, more comfortable with you. That yes, this person really can do what they're saying, um, and it it's it yeah, it just provides a little bit of um, assurance. It's always I think it's a plus. Um, you can all you can always get better at it too. So I, I would use that. It also helps in regards to imposter syndrome. You put your best self forward. You know you put your best self forward. They actually have seen you in your work, and it should help alleviate that once you get hired.
2: Yeah, no one likes a blind date on the yes. on the first interview.
3: Yes, people want to. Yeah. give them some context. Let them know you a little bit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but don't right,
3: show
2: up so
1: much. fat and bald when you uh, look like that <laughs> in your profile picture.
3: In today's world, yes, catfishing.
1: <laughs> All right, Hunter, back to the chat. So, um, yeah, dovetailing off of uh, some of that stuff you're talking about. So, your your on ramp into Google. I know that you started out as as a consultant. Can you talk? briefly about how how that structured and then how that worked for you what was the interview process how did you then become a full-time employee
3: yeah um let me think about the interview process the interview process is actually very interesting um it's very similar to the cert uh it, so the interview process for tv for the consultant like an mm-hmm. external consultant um, contractor is different from a full-time position at Google the, the interview process and the hiring process is different when I got hired as the consultant it was like the regular behavioral at first and then um, once I get to that's to second round the on-site this is actually where I had to do a case study I had to walk them through what is an um give me a presentation an analytical presentation that you've done recently walk me through as if I was your stakeholder
1: so this so, was one you'd already done, they didn't give it to you to to take home and work on.
3: Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it's something because I already had experience. Um, so entry level, they might give you a lot of other companies will just give you something and then mm-hmm. have you uh it's just for consistency. So it may, they make it it's easier for them to grade it. Gotcha. I see it a rubric. But for this one, it was they gave me like go ahead, like use your own example and present to me your analysis. So it was actually very similar to the capstone in that regard. Um, So yeah, when I talk about the capstone, actually, um, the example, when we were creating the example for the interview that I gave, it was based on the presentation I had given, but we tweaked the industry. We we changed all the data. Like it's not the same at all, but I used the presentation I gave to help with the capstone stuff too. So it's very awesome. in line with what I went through personally. Um, yeah, so I got hired as an external consultant. It's very different. The, in case people aren't sure what the difference is, as an external consultant, um, I work at Google. But it's more so I work for Google, um, not as full-time. I don't get the Google benefits. I don't, Google doesn't pay for my insurance or anything like that. I Did you get the beanie? Because that's the most important part. I don't get the beanie, that's full-time. Oh. Yeah, I wasn't a Googler. So um, I technically worked for an agency and the Go- and Google hires that agency to provide like short-term contract work to fill to fill gaps. Could be gaps due to for a variety of reasons. Uh, mine personally was due to um, several people, uh, several folks on the team um, being out on maternity leave and paternity leave, and so they needed short-term contract workers, and so I was one of those. Yeah, yeah. And I, for me, it was a really nice introduction to Google. Um, yes, contract works can be t- uh, stressful in that it there's a finite time period, and then you have to look mm-hmm. for a job again. Um, but for me, the way I saw it is, it was a way for me to check out what it's like to work at Google. And while towards the end of my contract, and um, I was able to speak with uh, Googlers within the company to figure out uh, transitioning into full time. So, for example, there was a job that I was really interested in. I chatted with the hiring manager. It was really easy to do since we were both in 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 the same company. I could figure out who he was, just chat with him informally to see what what is his team like, what is he looking for? And if there was a good fit, then formally start the process.
1: Okay. And you, I, I know you've referenced different people that, that have helped you along the way. Do you feel like you have true, like mentor relationships now and, and in the past? And yes, like, can you talk to the, the role of that in your
3: career? Yeah, mentors have always, always been super important to me. Um, well, not only because like, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a first-gen college student, so I there was, I, I didn't have examples within my own family. Uh, yeah. No one's gotten to like this far, I guess, like this, to this, this extent. So mentors from the get-go has always been important. It's really important for you to be able to see someone doing what you want to do in order to achieve it, in order for me to even think about that as possible. So that's how I look at mentors. And I mentioned earlier, too, personal relationships is really important for me. So I do have several mentors at Google. Um, It's not necessarily like I specifically go out looking for mentors. It's just people that I found I really connect well with. And they've also started to either see themselves in me or they just kind of take me under their wing and they want to help me um, along in my career. Those people, just the natural organic uh, process, like in a very organic way, do become my mentors. So I I have several. I I like to just talk with different people. My philosophy being the more people I can talk to, the more different pathways I can see and and kind of experience almost um, vicariously, I can kind of consider what what kind of path do I like? What might I be interested in? Um, Everybody knows maybe like for, let's say for an analyst position, you might be thinking junior analyst, analyst, senior analyst, manager, associate director, director, just like the traditional ladder. Yeah. But within Google, you'll find actually people move around laterally too. Uh, yeah. They'll go for an analyst to maybe data scientist or a UX researcher, quantitative researcher. They move around. It's fascinating to see that and asking them why. And usually it's pursuing personal interests or professional interests. So for instance, right now, um, I'm very interested in presentations, presentation design, um, dashboard design. So I would probably, I, I can focus on that um, in my career. So it's just out of personal interest, professional interest, whatever you'd like. But I would say like a lot of people don't really go through that traditional route at least within Google. So I like yeah. to diversify, talk to many people. There might be new things I haven't seen yet or come across that I'll, I will enjoy.
1: And, and that's what I noticed in the internship too, was just you know the, the experience is enhanced by the more people that you talk to. And actually the the one project I worked on um, I was actually kind of really digging hard in one direction. And then I talked to someone Mm -hmm. who said, Oh, this other group has been doing that. And once I contacted the group, it was like, Oh, you've already done like 75% of the things that I was working on. Let me just get in with you. And then, you know, kind of, and then that got me halfway to the finish line of what I was working on um, without having to waste more time. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, I suppose it's true in any organization, but yeah, Google. I was just amazed. It's like, there's there's so many overlapping efforts and you know divisions that kind of interact with each other. That I I don't know that there's you know it's it's weird being a part of that coming from the military where there's always mm-hmm. an ombudsman or someone that sees everything that's going on beneath them to go to kind of the polar opposite organization where it's like yeah, we're just all going to do this and that. And and we'll kind of overlap. And we'll have duplication of effort. We'll have a bunch of smart people working on stuff. And we'll we'll get a good answer at the end of it.
3: Yeah, Google does give a little bit of that freedom. So that, yeah, agreed, 100%. You're given Here's a project. Go explore. And I trust you to do your job and to be creative, to talk to people that you need. If you need support, you can talk to your manager, who will guide you more. But I do appreciate that as a culture at Google.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and is that something that you came to to want for yourself after experiences at other companies? I mean, did you did you use those other experiences to kind of calibrate? Hey, this is this is
3: the environment that's right for me. Ah, um, to be honest, no. (laughs) So in in other companies, I was used to structure people telling me what to do. in the beginning, like there's going to be a lot more framework, more structure to that. So if you're, if you're going to be new, um, it's so helpful and it's less stressful. Um, so when I came to Google, it was a, one of the first times in which. So people at Google talk about thriving in ambiguity. And so there basically it, it's a challenge. Like they'll give you here's just an overall arching problem. Go forth and solve it. And at the in, at the beginning is actually really hard. Um, so what helps though, in, and why I suggest having lots of other like previous experience at other companies is I can use all that experience and those skills and to figure out okay, what did I do something in another company that might be similar, and I'm going to approach it in that manner. Um, and also, just like what you said, out like talking to other people and they might approach things differently. Just all of those will help. But in the beginning, I will say it actually was a little bit difficult Um, and I've learned to adjust to it. I've actually learned to then now appreciate and I really like it because it gives me autonomy, gives me independence, and it allows me the space to be to be curious, but to also just to explore and try new routes. It's. I'm given here's just a project and a certain amount of time, or I can establish a deadline myself so I can control that process. I can manage that process myself and it builds more skill sets, more examples I can talk about too, as if I ever wanted to interview for other positions. So I've learned yeah. to appreciate it, but at first it was difficult.
1: So what skill sets are you working on right now either in or outside of Google, like what's, what's your, yeah. what are you adding to your technical toolbox?
3: Yeah. Oh, technical. Um, so technical toolbox, Python. I personally like Python um, over R um, and it doesn't really matter which one you use uh, in terms of interviewing, they think um, most job descriptions will say like Python or R or something similar like coding yeah. experience. They're translatable. Just like I said earlier with analytics, um, SQL, there's so many different types of SQL there are variations, but at the end of the day, it's easy to pick those up once you know the foundation. Once you know how to think in a SQL-like manner, um, so it's 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 not that big of a diff- uh, that big of a deal. Um, I personally do like Python. Um, it's more flexible. Um, it's less syntax like freaky uh, or pin- uh, finicky. Um, so going more into Python, yes, um, I do actually appreciate soft skills a little bit more. So yeah, so. I used to be very shy, <laughs> shy, pretty reserved, very quiet. Um, I really wanted to build on um, presentation skills and presence, to be able to talk to folks, um, to do things like this, um, to lead workshops, lead presentations, um, speaking sessions. So I pushed myself to that. I did master classes within Google. Um, and now like I've presented in front of audiences as big as 200 people. I' presented to people who are global CEOs. And all that, like, I'm sweating bullets, like, super, super, super mm-hmm. nervous. But it, I was able to grow so much from it. And now I'm I'm so I'm proud of myself for that. Um, and I think I've changed a lot from that shy, reserved kid to now I use it as an opportunity to connect, to connect with people, to figure out how can I be of service? How can I help? So, So we're
1: that dovetails nicely into we are limited by uh, legal considerations about how much we can talk about the subject. But you taught, I would say, probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands by now, through (laughs) the data analytics certificate. So, please uh, tell us about that experience. Like, how how did they ask you to do that? Um, What was it like putting Mm. those together?
3: Yeah. Um, so I saw that opportunity come by actually internally. Um, and because I keep an eye out on lots of volunteer opportunities. Um, I have several volunteer projects within Google, too, as well as outside. And I saw this opportunity come along and I applied for it. I talked about like my diverse. They Ultimately, what they were looking for and is they want a diverse group of subject matter experts called SMEs. Yeah. SMEs. And um, they got it. Yeah, and so um, I met with the uh, the program manager. We talked, and we connected really well. Talked about what additional things that I could bring, um, and that's how I got started. Um, in regards to what it's like to teach people I, I will say since since it's video format um i don't have that personal connection person to person i love in life i love talking with people yeah it's different um, staring yeah, at the camera for it's sure different. um well i got used to now staring at the camera i can do that easily
1: <laughs> do, do you pretend it's a person or, or a group of people hmm? do you pretend it's a person or a group of people like is that how because you i mean so we did a poll and you can only do four options on LinkedIn. And so we, we said, who's your favorite instructor from the first four yeah. lessons of the course? You mm-hmm. ran away with it. Oh, um, yeah. The, yeah. Earlier this week, we did a poll for the five through eight. And uh, Ayana won it narrowly over carry. Um,
3: I personally so, know Ayana as well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so we're about to have like a Super Bowl of you versus Ayana for the <laughs> you know, grand champion. But um, yeah, so I'm just wondering, people really identified, and I, I was glad it wasn't just me, that that you really related well. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you spoke to the camera as if it was a human audience. And so I was just wondering if you had a, do you have a tactic for that, that you visualize something?
3: Yeah. No, um, so it was, I had a blast during the filming process. Um, like I said, I, I it, it was during um, COVID, uh, so there were a lot of precautions in place. But the the filming crew and a director, uh, we had so much fun actually. So it was just just joking around with them. Like that's how I was able to keep my energy up. Um, and the director, uh, in the beginning, it was kind of awkward, like talking to a camera. Yes, but. I got really used to it. Gotten to, I got into a job. I got better as time went on too. So in the beginning, it, it was a little bit just like reading. Um, no, I, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, I, I did appreciate though that there were others around me. So it was like, yeah, like even now, like I'll be talking to you, Alan Hunter, and um, like the audience. So I'm aware of that. It's like at the corner of my screen, I can see you, but I just choose to consciously look at the camera while I'm talking wow. to something.
1: Speech. I can't do that. I'm staring straight at <laughs> your picture on the screen. The camera. <laughs> Luckily, I have it right below the camera, so you might not notice. That's but yeah, I can't. Yeah. That's, that's impressive, no master, that skill. Yeah,
2: no, I, I couldn't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: I don't always do it. Um, I, it's, it's, it's conscious effort, um, but I, I like it because it makes people, the uh, like others on the screen, um, on the opposite end, feel more connected, and that's what I want. Yeah, it's. It's not all about me i want people to feel it's, that ease. i want people to feel connected
2: all right anyway we have a couple of other questions from our audience one of them has been asked by many many people mm. um what are some of the basic hard skills that you would recommend for somebody who's starting out in the field like the, the bare bones essential they need to know SQL or tableau or what, right. whatever it
3: is right i um, mean i like to see it's Pretty sure. I forget when I, uh, I'm, I'm going back to my um, university at like the end of the month, but I for, or end of next month. Um, I forget what I say, but at the end of it, it's just three skills, core skills, technical skills, right? Um, uh, let's not talk about soft skills. Just say I can go on forever about that. So it's going to be SQL dashboarding and spreadsheet. Those three. Yeah. Okay, cool. SQL, you can teach yourself dashboarding. Um, that's kind of uh, just learn to create um, charts. You, um, it's going to be a little platform specific, and then um, spreadsheets. I feel like a good number of people generally have used it before, so it's not as difficult um, using Excel or Google Sheets or uh, Apple's Numbers. Maybe I, is think that that's what it is? Yeah. I don't use Apple products. Obviously. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I hope but, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's I think that answered the question perfectly. Uh then we had another from this was specifically asked by Oscar Marillo. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it, it's a more general question in
0: mm-hmm. entirely.
2: Um mm-hmm. so data analytics versus data science.
3: Oh different the
2: difference between the two. Uh if someone's on the edge, what should they look for? What should they specialize uh, in?
3: Something yeah. like that. That's a really good question, um, and I talk about that too when I go back to my university. Um, the way I put it is at a very high level. Data analytics looks at what happened in the past to inform the present, like what's going on now. How can how or what's going on, and how can I use the past to optimize current strategy? Data science looks at what happened in the past to try to predict the future. So. Uh, overarching, that's the difference. Now, when it comes to you yourself and choosing between the two, at the end of the day, you can think about the data, uh, what you do in the day-to-day basis. So data analytics, you're going to be much more SQL heavy. Data science, you're going to be much more R or Python heavy. So if you really enjoy R or Python, go forth and conquer and go into data science. Try it out. Um, you can, uh, some, uh, some people start in data analytics and move into data science. Do whatever you like. Life, you don't have to just stick with one thing. <laughs> Go have fun with it and explore, do different careers. Um, but if you prefer the SQL, I personally love SQL. Um, you can stay in the data analytics portion. And you can like—you can still learn R and Python and do more of the data science stuff too. But the bulk of your work or your career being defined as data analytics, that's the career path I've chosen.
2: All right, cool. Thank you very much. That's that's pretty much all we got for now. So, yeah, back to you, Al. Yeah, so I think the the,
1: the culprit is clearly John David's uh, StreamYard account because this has happened twice uh, when he was in the driver's seat, where he dropped out, and now it's happened to me. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely John David's fault. Um, so. <laughs> anyway, um, so we I hope you guys had a good time while I was uh, kicked off the internet. Yeah. Um, we have a guest that wants to show an amazing uh, presentation that he did for the capstone study. If you're ready to review this, so let me bring him in. Navneet, how you doing today?
4: Hi, guys, how are you doing? Doing well. So I could totally relate to, the, uh, to Sally when she was saying that she used to be a shy kid. I am like that. I was a little nervous before getting onto this podcast. I also told uh, I also told Albert that. But I am here and I want you to review my project.
1: Before he, that He I want- literally gave himself like a one second pep talk. Um was all that <laughs> was required. I, I just he said he was nervous and didn't know if he wanted to come. I said why and and thirty seconds later he was like, Never mind, I'm good. So <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> was that it wasn't uh, it wasn't super epic but so here um, can you guys see that okay Let me mm-hmm. give me a thumbs up from someone in the audience as well oh Fernando it's clearly John Davis thought um, anyway okay so here is your tableau public and so go ahead and um, if you want to kind of quarterback me through this thing and um, you, know, I mean, you can talk about what you put into it uh, Sally by all means um, you know, talk about what you think.
4: So before we start with the project, uh, first of all, I want to thank Sally for being a fantastic teacher and a mentor to everyone uh. who is enrolled in the certificate. Uh, believe me when I say that you made me fall in love with SQL uh. and I pretty much use it every time I need to analyze the data. Set.
3: Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Like things like this really make me happy. I don't get to hear stories like that, um, since it's all video. So thank you.
4: <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. So as I've already told you before that this project took me around a month to complete to analyze the data set to visualize the insights and I also wrote an article about this
0: Mm -hmm.
4: Uh, uh, I don't know if you have saw that or not Mm -hmm. but the reason that it took me so long was I wanted to inspire those guys who didn't Tried the capstone project and claimed the certificate of completion. I wanted them to know that if I can do something like this with just two or three months of experience in data analytics, then they can too and they should. So starting with the in quick introduction about the case study. Cyclist is a Chicago-based bike sharing company, as you uh, you made the care, you made the capture projects, you already know that. So the purpose of the case study was to find the riding patterns between its members and the casual riders. So uh, the members and the casual riders are the user type of uh, cyclistic. In the first part you can see that riders by user type. I used a donut chart to show the number of riders, uh, uh, to show the number of rides taken, uh, taken by the user type and in the second part I used a stack column chart show the number of rides taken by the members and the casual riders on different bike types so here you can see that there are classic bikes dog bikes and electric bikes and the number of rides taken on them by members and the Mm -hmm. casual riders Mm
0: -hmm.
4: so what do you think about this well first off
3: Daphne, uh, we talked about this briefly um, for those on the live stream. This is by far one of the prettiest dashboards I've seen recently. Uh, probably the prettiest I've seen this week. So huge, huge kudos. Um, I love it, Daphne. Uh, and I'm very impressed by this. The fact that you've done this with only, two, you said, like two months experience. Yeah. are This is better than I would say for some folks who have years of
1: experience.
3: (laughs) That's all I'll say. I'm not going to say any names. Um, But this, first off, is amazing. I love how you designed it. I I can talk through it. I've made some notes um, because this was shared with me earlier. So I would say specifically, um, if you want feedback, I know we have a few minutes left. So design, content, and context. So first off, with design. I love that you have a very clean and clear layout. That's really important. A lot of people try to put too many things all at once. Yeah. We don't do that. You keep it super simple. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Simplicity is beauty. So love it. Kudos to you on that. that neat. Um, I don't know if Al's on still, but I want. there was a meme that kind of shows a little bit how, oh, Al, can you show what that means? So here's something that I show during, when I give presentations on dashboard design or presentation design. It's basically says like, straightforward, you read the really big font first, then right below it and then below it, and then the tiny one up at the very top. This is a natural way in which we process information. With this in mind, Al, if you can hop back into the dashboard, what Navmi had done beautifully is he has the overarching, the overview at the very top, right? And then people will go naturally down below into the subsections. So the summary is at the top, and then the subsections are further details upon in which the overall summary is based. So that's really good. So now, Navni, if you wanted to go further into presentation design or dashboard design, um, I would recommend to consider these uses of color Colors is really important. It makes things pretty. However, that's actually not when you should use color. The way you're using color correctly, and I love it, is when you differentiate between um, how members are in blue and casual writers are in green. And you want to keep that consistent throughout your dashboards. That's good. But up on the top in the overview where there's different colors, um, it should be one single color. And the reason behind that is think about if you highlight everything because everything's important then nothing is important at the end of the day. So you only highlight what actually is truly important. Um, so that's mm-hmm. only if you want to go further into presentation design. I will say though, a lot of people do stuff like this. So it's it's really not the end of the day, it's optional. Um, and then moving on to the next one i wanted to talk about in regards to content yeah if we go to the infographic so i love with what you did here navneet um you have like bite-sized pieces of data that's easily digestible for folks who aren't data savvy uh, you and i we love sql we like digging into data not everyone's like that trust me you talk about data to someone who doesn't care you're going to lose their, their eyes are going to glaze over and they stopped listening to you like 30 minutes ago so, so things like this is going to be super helpful my one recommendation with this here is to start off with knowing who your audience is now me earlier you mentioned that the point of the analysis was to figure out the differences between member and casual writers that's good you know the purpose of the analysis but you should know who that analysis is for for instance if this is for marketers you want to make sure these are sound bites snippets that they can directly use so things like 4.07 million users very interesting for you and i but for marketers you you might need to give them a little bit more context they might not be able to just it doesn't mean anything 4 million users yay is that a lot <laughs> so that goes to then to the third thing i want to co- uh, cover which is context so if you scroll further down in this chart, the first one up on top, that time series, what I loved is you ha- you highlighted out like the peak on Monday, you have 400,000 youth riders and rides, and then the, the low point, right? Kind of like the weekly average almost. Yeah. So providing, and, and you've, you've shown that like the 400k consists of 23% of total rides. Amazing. That means it's not a small chunk of total rides. Monday is really significant in terms of volume. But data, you always need context, especially when you uh, know who your audience is. So think about it this way. That is really good. The um, 400K is 23% of total. If you wanted to go even further and be even more uh, telling a story behind the data, you can say things like uh, the busiest day of the week has 400k rides, which is two times weekly average. That's one slightly better. And then now here's the kicker. This is where I think you can shine, and it, it helps to know who your audience is. What if if you told your audience that, and your audience is of marketers, that the busiest day of the week has 400k rides? That's as if all the working individuals in downtown Chicago ride their work that took a bike to work that day that gives context that tells the marketers exactly how big 400k is if everybody who's a working professional in downtown Chicago takes a bike to work then like, oh wow actually I can understand that's a huge volume it gives context to folks who aren't really in knee deep into data who don't know is 400k a lot is it a little it gives them something that they can relate to so Yeah, that's that I would conclude there. But other than that, like these are just up again, optional areas that that you can get even better at if you'd like, but what you have is beautiful. It's something that people with years of analytics experience uh, don't even do as well as you do. So um, I am very impressed by this. Uh, I just am very passionate about dashboard design, presentation design, so I can provide lots of uh, feedback in regards to just like the small details if you wanted to go further, but what you have is so more than sufficient. This
4: is beautiful. Albert, if you click on the details tab under the dashboard, yeah, there. I have created two de- details pages also regarding mm-hmm. these dashboards. If you have seen that, just scroll down. Scroll down a little. Sure. Ooh.
3: Very nice. So um, as a former consultant, this is, um, I don't know, Nate, were you a consultant as well? <laughs> this is good. Um, because what consultants really like is insight. So what is the objective data? What, uh, objectively, what does the data tell us? And then conclusion or recommendation is, okay, now that you know this data point, so what? what should you do with that data for if, So if your audience is a team of marketers, then the marketers should do X, Y, Z. Um, so sounds like you have that. And I like that you've highlighted like 4.07 million rides. Like you've highlighted things that are really important. Just remember next iteration can be putting that into a little bit of context, um, mm-hmm. a little bit more context, but beautiful, beautiful. Your uses of color, bolding, how you've separated out insights and conclusion
1: Good instincts. Okay, is there anything to point out on this? Uh, I see that this is, these are like your hidden slides in a, in a PowerPoint. If they start asking questions, and you click these up. But uh, anything these to are, highlight here?
4: Just the details about the uh, visualization that was there. You can scroll down a little
3: more. Sure. Yeah. Oh, these are all so pretty.
4: <laughs> I went to design a little more, but yeah, I love creating you know, visualizations people. that yeah. tells a story, so uh-huh. there's that.
1: So you're still improving this? are, are you, you still working work? on this or is this is this the finished product for this? Have you moved on?
4: Yeah, this is the finished
1: product. I'm not okay. Moving. What are you working on now? Anything else?
4: I'm currently working, I'm trying to work on a climate change project, but still in the it's still in the research phase. I would like to get your feedback, both of your feedback, if you would allow me to.
1: Sure. Are uh, you talking now?
4: No, not now. I will okay. connect with you. Like then.
1: Yeah, no worries. Just send it along. Is it, is it on your tableau public?
4: No, it's still in the research phase. I told you that.
1: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no worries. We can do that.
4: So I'm connected right. with Albert, but not with you, Sally. So I'm gonna send a connection request right away after this podcast.
3: Sounds
1: good. <laughs> Navneet, thanks for uh, thanks for coming and uh, and sharing your your presentation with us. And I appreciate the fact that you know you overcame initial nervousness to
3: to come in and make a contribution, brother. Appreciate it.
4: Thanks for having me, Albert.
3: Yeah, Yeah. it's inspiring. I now I want to go back to my dashboards and make it prettier. Amazing, amazing job. Thank you so much.
4: Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no worries.
1: We have you on as a guest. You can show us all how to do it. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, I think we're um, that's the last bit of business we had. Um, Sally, what do you what do you envision for yourself going forward?
3: Doing the same, I guess. I um, yeah. I've done a lot more volunteering stuff. I'm very passionate ever since the Coursera thing and um, going going to my alma alma mater. Continuing the same, um, I think because I love it. I'm very passionate about it. Um, the more people I can help, it makes it's a win win for me. Um, yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm contributing. It makes me feel connected to people. So yeah, I'm very absolutely. And I feel lucky. That I found something that I get a lot of satisfaction from.
1: That's super cool. So, where can where can people get in contact with you?
3: LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I'm not always on it, so I apologize um, if I don't reach back. At no, all. no need um, to apologize for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but please send stories. Uh, I, I that that's the way in which um, I really do enjoy connecting with people. Um, if people say like it's really impacted whether it be the Coursera course or, or this live stream, it's impacted their lives in some way. I really appreciate that.
1: All right. Sally, we really appreciate you coming on. We know that uh, you, you are a busy working professional and this is an early part of your work day uh, out there in California. So uh, we really appreciate you sharing the time with us and giving us all your insights.
3: No, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. All
0: right. See you guys next week. All right. See ya. is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.